Hi friends, it's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open. And if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free five-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality energy, and possibility in your creative process. Whether you're a writer, a performer, a baker, a candlestick maker, navigating the creative process can be a bear. But never fear, there's power in numbers at the Spark File. So let's link arms and make the trip together. It's May 13th through 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, less than one hour per day. And if you can't join live, don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with The Spark File, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step. We help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant. And if you have joined us before, know that we are going deep with the Brave Creative. So buckle up, Buttercup. It is going to be an awesome adventure. Go to thesparkfile.com to register, but do it soon because it all starts May 13th. Thesparkfile.com. Register now. The Sparkfile podcast may contain profanity and other adult content. Please use your discretion. When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark file. To be something that I want to make or how I want to be, I pump it in my spark file. I jump into my spark file. Let's open up the spark Welcome to the Spark File, where we believe that everyone is creative, but smart, creative people don't do it alone. I'm Laura Camion. And I'm Susan Blackwell. If you're joining us for the first time, you are so welcome. But you may be asking yourself, what exactly is a Spark File? Where do I get a Spark File? What do I file in my Spark File? These are such good questions, and we actually do have answers. We do. A Spark File is the place where you consistently collect all your inspirations and fascinations. And if you're like us and you're making stuff all the time or want to be making stuff all the time, you know the wellspring of inspiration can run a little dry. We're here to refill it. That's right, babies. We are on the lookout for fresh ideas, images, and inspiration that spark our creativity and pique our curiosity, things that inspire us to rise up off of our asses and make things like this very podcast. Or a series of short films with your best friends. Or a campaign to get behind a local politician you love. Or a show poster that is itself a work of art. Or some sweet-ass dance moves. Mm, on today's Makersode, we're going to talk with someone who truly sparks us. And that special someone is John Bowman Early. John Early, welcome to The, the Spark, Spark File. John! Hello. We want to start by asking... Where are you right now? <laughs> Please provide your full street address. <laughs> Absolutely. And, <laughs> here we go. And how, how are you right now for reals? Okay, let's see. I am in Los Angeles mm. where I 
moved maybe four years ago. You're a real um, showbiz type. I am. It's so oh, interesting. Gee. I really think we could devote the whole hour to the differences between New York and LA if you guys are down. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yes. totally down for some, that. Some versus 100%. comedy. 100%. West Coast versus East Coast comedy. I would love it. Um, and then, no, okay, that's where I am. I'm in Los Angeles and I am, um, I'm sitting in the room in my quote unquote office, it really has yet. I, I moved here in June, so it's kind of not fully like, you know, inhabited mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's a house I see you in when you do interviews and stuff that it like, is it the same house you were in when you uh, filmed mm. the, the short film, Rachel, Rachel or like, is it that house? It's not, but it's, I, that was the place I lived for four years and then I moved here. So I was is just it- there. Oh, wow. It's similar to that in God. vibe. It's kind of cottagey and sweet and like treehousey, which is mm. really which what is the I dream. was picturing. Just for what it's worth, what Please. I was picturing was more just like glass, concrete, and stone. <laughs> like, like, like you like, moved on up. You moved yeah. away from stucco and <laughs> alcoves, and yep. you moved into that. Just Neil Patrick Harrison Gone Girl. Just cold <laughs> and lonely. Yeah, American Psycho. That's the vibe. Yeah, yes. Now we have. Yep. The picture <laughs> top yeah. of the world where are you guys <laughs> oof well oh well Suze. Suze is on the side <laughs> of a mountain i'm on the side of a uh, john i live on the side of a mountain now. where um when i was like i don't want to do eight shows a week of anything i was like yeah. as long as i can get to location or to get to my work I can live anywhere. And so I took my introverted ass and moved to the side of a mountain. <laughs> Camion, where do you live? Well, I'm most frequently in New York City, but for the duration of the pandemic, I have been in sunny Florida. Mm. So I like to bounce back and forth. But, you know, during a pandemic, I like to hang here. I nice. love that technology has brought us all together, though. I know, it's sincerely, and, and, and so seamlessly on an audio level, and so seamlessly. <laughs> and John, but for reals, the second part of that two-parter is: How mm-hmm. are you? How has? Yeah, I was this... trying to swiftly navigate away from oh, the second question. No, no, no. no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Um, <laughs> where do you guys live? How are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm. Um, I'm actually pretty good. I I feel like I've been in a kind of just flattened. I've kind of been ping-ponging between just like total despair or yeah. just kind of a flat kind of um I feel like you I feel like uh-huh. you just did and we'll talk about this more but you you just did a big heavy lift. Like I feel like you throughout the the election you worked really hard. I feel like you expended a lot of creative energy and so are, are mm-hmm. you a little bit like just wrung out from that? Well, honestly, um, to get right into it, I mean, I, that, first of all, that is the answer to your first question, that Mm -hmm. particular We like to write the answers, ask the questions and the (laughs) answers. That's what we like to do. It's our specialty. (laughs) But I, I actually feel like, um, that was very, it's, I feel corny saying this, but it was, it was actually very nourishing (laughs) creatively Mm. on a a politically Mm -hmm. everything. It was like touching in with just someone who is an actual like public servant and like someone who, I mean, there, there was, there was a total alignment of like my kind of like um, very poorly formed politics, but, but like, you know, what, what I know of my own politics completely aligned with Marquita Bradshaw, who we're talking about. Um, It was a very, I, I, 
I, I, it actually was, it felt very good because I also hadn't used a lot of those like muscles yeah. <laughs> um, in a while because of the pandemic. And I, I am really happy when I am like producing, when I'm like getting the gang together and mm-hmm. making a video. <laughs> yeah. Um, and You're so good at when, it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Susan. And especially when I'm like not, you know, doing it with um, kind of overlords, like corporate overlords, where it's like with my friends yes. and when everyone's kind of in the right spirit and there's a, there's a sense of like excitement about it. Um, and there was so much to be excited about with Marquita. And so it, it was very, um, it felt incredible. Like that was actually a profoundly cathartic uh, experience. Yeah. So she was, Marquita was running for U.S. Senate in Tennessee. Is that correct? Yes. And can I just ask you how something, and you may have answered this publicly and I apologize if I'm making you repeat yourself, but how did you come to find her and how did you, what, what moved you? Because you went uh, talk about the pre- spark file price of admission. This is mm-hmm. a big creative risk that, uh, well, I don't know this if I may not it, you, be you his answer the, to that question. Sue, this so. may not be, but <laughs> I did. I, in my observation, you swung for the fences. Yes. Like you went all in and put what seemed, if you have more capacity than the capacity you expended on the work that you did on that campaign, then you are a gifted human. But it seems like you put all of your energy for a period of time behind that work that you were doing. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, it is like, you know, and it was also, it was really thrilling to realize that my, the, my kind of creative skills that I've developed Mm -hmm. over the years could actually be of use. Like there is so much, it was actually transferable instead of this thing of like, okay, I'm very out of my comfort zone. And I'm, cause I've done a lot of these kind of like, I've encouraged people to phone bank or like I did a video on like Mm -hmm. canvassing, you know, and I was like Mm -hmm. horrified. Like we, I have, we had, you know, my friend shot this video of me canvassing in like the 2018, uh, the, you know, midterms Mm -hmm. and like, I literally, I mean, the point of the video was that I did not know what I was doing. Like I, 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 I had, I'm not a policy wonk, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. like, I was completely out of uh, my depth. real time learning in the mm-hmm. video. Yes. Yeah. And it was embarrassing. And I was like, kind of, I was like, Oh God, well, I'm really hoping my charm takes over. And it like, and I was honestly like too hung over for even the charm to like take over. I was like, I was like, okay, well the charm's not coming. I literally can't string a sentence together. And I literally have no idea what I'm talking about. And like the camera was rolling as I'm talking to these like total strangers about oh their God. like, about what, you know, like what they're concerned about in the election. They would say something like, Cool. Like I had nothing to, it was a disaster. I mean, the video is fine, but like, it was nice to actually, I was like, this is actually something I'm good at. I'm good at Mm -hmm. like, kind of, I'm good at like seeing star quality in people. (laughs) It's such an embarrassing thing to say, but like, I can. And like, I I saw that in Marquita and like, I felt like I trusted, I actually trusted myself more making this video than I would trust a random like PR firm that they would, that the campaign would hire because no one, I just don't trust those people actually also to have the kind of, to understand what's special about her both personally and politically, you know? And like she, she basically, she came, I was, you know, still in the process of grieving uh, Bernie losing in the primary Mm -hmm. and like, 
she out of I had not even heard of her, even though I'm from Tennessee, and no one had heard of her. She had no ad money. She mm-hmm. won the. She like went up against this like establishment back Democrat who had millions, literally two million, over two million in his um, campaign. And she, he not only did she beat him with only twenty two thousand dollars, she <gasps> knocked oh. him down to third place. Oh. Like he and it, and to me, I'm just like I'm always looking for stories like this. Yeah, where like like police politically for me, it's like I always want to see. I always want people to realize that like money does not make movements. Money does yeah. not make political yeah. movements. And like the only way we're ever going to get out of our like partisan chokehold is through actually people who are on the ground talking to people. And like, I'm paraphrasing like a tweet I read the other night, but it's like people who are actually <laughs> helping people connect the material conditions of their lives to yeah. the to policymakers, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, cause like we're never going to get anywhere unless you have someone like Marquita who has been doing this for 25 years going door to door and being like, okay, the reason like, so let, let's talk about the pandemic. Let's talk about this like economic depression we're about to face. Like, mm. like you should have, you are entitled to healthcare. Like you are entitled to, uh, I mean, we just need people like deprogramming people who are so brainwashed by the American dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like yeah. Marquita is someone who has like lived a crazy life. She grew up next to this toxic landfill in South Memphis, mm-hmm. poisoned her whole community. And mm-hmm. she's spent the past like 25 years doing environmental activism and organizing around this like toxic landfill and like, and Mm -hmm. protecting her community. And then she also was in union organizing and she's just an actual working person. So she actually can speak to these things. And she, she has done such a beautiful job of helping people understand. And I'll stop talking about this in a second, but Mm -hmm. she's done such a beautiful job of helping people understand that like it makes how just, insane it is that congress is full of just insanely rich people making decisions about incredibly vulnerable like working people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she and so uh, to me in this kind of the wake of my grief about bernie i was like i couldn't and also the charles booker thing in kentucky was so tremendous i was Mm -hmm. like so excited by the idea of this person like with an actual movement behind him and and he really could have won his primary had people found out about him sooner, but he didn't have money. Like he didn't have money to, he didn't have the literally almost $100 million that Amy McGrath had. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, I just, I saw the Marquita thing happen in Tennessee. I saw a news, an article about it, about her primary win. And I was like, Holy shit. Like if I can try to make a big stink about her online, hopefully like she can have some more momentum going into the, (sighs) um, the, you know, the thing, the, yeah. the election. You know, on this podcast, we talk, you know, we talk so much about keeping your eyes open and keeping your heart open and just catching those sparks of inspiration when they float by. And instead of just being like, oh, that would be cool. And then forgetting about it and being like, what should we make for dinner? Like yeah, actually yeah. like keying yeah. into it. And if it really moves you in a visceral way, fucking doing something about it, making yeah. something out of it. And I feel like you in reading that article caught a spark. Did you just reach out to their campaign? Like how did that happen? Well, I, my sister actually now lives in Nashville again, where we grew up and um, she, she was like 
really excited about Marquita too. And was like, I'm going to reach out to the campaign and like, see if what, see what I can do. You know, and there, it's a very small campaign. So like, it was very, it, truly a grassroots campaign. So they had, you know, it's not that inaccessible. It's not hard to like get in touch with them. And, um, mm, got it. Yeah. And, and so she just, she basically like set up a call where she was with me and like the finance director. And, and it was really, and I had no kind of, I was like, you know, I'll do a, a couple targeted posts. You know, I was like, not, <laughs> I, I was, I, I didn't really know how I felt about like my involvement. Cause, and this is where we get into the question of like, what's the risk or like a recent risk yeah. that you took mm-hmm. was like, yeah. there was obviously something profoundly terrifying to me. I mean, maybe not obviously, but to me it was, it was really scary to um, just, I, I mean, I've, I've experienced like, being like so high on caffeine and like and giving interviews where I'm talking about my politics and then literally three months later my politics being like 180 degrees like just completely yeah. different yeah and so there's something really terrifying as I'm I, sure you can yeah. relate to about like I can yeah not even pinning just politics. it in time exactly like Anything. that's the hell of being creative that's right is like yeah you're like committing to like the public record like your point of view and then four months later you're like oops, like I fully don't believe that, you know? And so there was, there's that. And there's also this, this, I've become more and more troubled kind of by the, the blending of art and politics and culture. And I feel like it's really weakened art and I feel like it's really fucked with politics, like Mm -hmm. political movements. Mm -hmm. And I, and so I'm, I'm kind of like on principle, like I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to like, it, it shouldn't be up to like dumb gay celebrities, <laughs> you know, to like, to, to, to get the word out and, for her. Yeah, like yeah. we should have like institutions that like actually support the kinds of politicians like Marquita who fight for like mm-hmm. working people. Um, so yeah, I was scared about it, but then I, so I did this fundraiser and that was, once I did the fundraiser for her, when I was like, oh, you actually can have fun with an online show. And mm-hmm. and it was just really, and I was like talking to her on the fundraiser and I was just so blown away by her. Mm. It was like the actual contact with her that turned it around for me where I was like, oh, I'm going to go like, I'm going all I'm in. going to Nashville. I'm going to like go make a video. So, Amazing. That, yeah. mm. but, but I, I don't know. I, we are so in love with your creativity. And then during the election, when you sort of really honed in on Marquita's campaign, I, I don't know. We have no claim to you. We were super proud of you. <laughs> we Thank just you. love you. you we know, love you in that very weird and awkward yeah. way. <laughs> but yeah. you know, the other thing we talk about or have been talking about, you know, for some time now is the pivot that everyone's had to do. And I love mm. this example of taking your creative skills. It's, you know, yes, you added your celebrity to it, but really more importantly, you added your production skills and your producing yeah. skills and applied them to political organizing and community organizing. I don't think that that is necessarily a obvious jump for so many. I want, I just want to say that because we have so many friends who are producers kind of waiting for gigs to start happening. And, you know, so many people waiting and I'm like, Ooh, what a great effing use of your talents. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I did, I really felt like a, um, I felt determined to make some, again, because like the time, like there wasn't much time. There was like basically a month 
between mm-hmm. the fundraiser and the election. And so I knew that like, it was very scary because I felt like I had very little time to make something that was in, could pierce through the noise of like mm-hmm. all the kind of political content that we were all ta- you know consuming every single day. And I did, I really didn't trust anyone to not be like super cheesy about mm-hmm. it. Like it's very hard to make political ads that aren't cheesy. And like, I also didn't necessarily try, like one thing that I learned in this, like uh, just about campaigns and my involvement with them is like, even someone like Marquita, who's extremely progressive and is running this grassroots campaign. And we have all these examples, thank God now, Bernie Sanders, AOC, Charles Mm -hmm. Booker, and on and on of these like kind of successful grassroots campaigns that came out of nowhere. Like there's still that has yet to be kind of institutionalized <laughs> like mm-hmm. her campaign staff and they were amazing, but like they were apt, they were kind of, they were for hire. You know, these are not people who like right. are life, like lifelong organizers and stuff. And I kind of was like, I need to like, and this is cr- insanely egotistical <laughs> of me, but I was like, I need to get in there and make sure that like the messaging is correct. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Because like yes. I didn't necessarily, cause she's too busy. They're very busy, but they're also like, I was like, I don't necessarily trust that they're kind of contextualizing her as the kind of progressive icon that she is. And and particularly a progressive icon in the South. Like mm-hmm. that's why she's such an incredible opportunity just like nationally. And, and so I felt a big kind of, I felt like I could do a good job of making it like beautiful and protecting mm-hmm. her, like her like progressive values. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. So yeah, that was, that was yeah. <laughs> the storytelling. The storytelling is yep. is everything, and I love that you were like, "Wait, I can do this. I know how to do this," and you know, yeah. center her in it and her values, and make sure that's reflected. Mm. Yeah. So, well John, do you want to use that officially as your Sparkfile price of admission? This this is your creative risk you've taken recently, or do you want to tell us another one? <laughs> well. That's a pretty I would like one. to use <laughs> I would like to use that as my risk, okay. but I would like to focus in on particularly what the risk was. Ooh, okay. And I think it'll be very not to control, but I think it'll be very generative. <laughs> By um, the end of this, you're producing this podcast. Please. Yeah. Amazing. Great. I love it. Um no, but I think I can if I really narrow in on this particular quality of terror that I experienced <laughs> making this, then I can uh, it we can it can become like abstracted. We we can universalize it. it and talk about other things. Love um, it. And then I think we have 15 minutes at the end where we can do some music. (laughs) It'll be a wrap. We could recap this. We'll just recap what you did in Tennessee and then we're good to go. In folk songs. Um, So, okay, tell us. Let's let's hone in then. Tell us about that fear that you felt. Well, I'm really curious to know if you've felt a similar fear in any of your work. Um, Susan, I, I, I am very familiar with your work, especially in title of show. And like, I, you know, immediately recognized you as like a deeply funny person. Um, so I wonder if you can kind of commiserate with this, but like, there is something totally terrifying being a like comedian or even just kind of being a funny person in the world who like, you know, I, I kind of defined myself in, you know, I think a lot of funny people define themselves in the negative. They define themselves in Mm -hmm. opposition to things in response to things, especially in response to like hyper, like 
like false sincerity or mm. like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, and, and so that, that's been my kind of like life's like work and my life's like struggle, <laughs> which is like all like being an incredibly earnest, um, emphatic, enthusiastic person who yeah. also is like deeply troubled by like most expressions of sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, and it can often be very paralyzing. And so like there yeah. is, there was something totally terrifying and, and even like psychologically just like disturbing. Like I, I knew that it had to be done. I knew that there was no reason, there was no point in kind of questioning my motives in doing it. But there's obviously like, it was, it was really scary for me to be like, why am I doing Like, why am I swooping into this campaign? Like, mm. she doesn't need my fucking help. Like, she knows exactly what she's doing. Like, what is this, like, kind of Hollywood, like, <laughs> impulse of, like, look at the celebrity. Go look at Audrey Hepburn in Africa, you know, like, mm. with the children. Like, you know, like, I, there, there is, it was, again, there was, like, no time to question it. Yeah. The world is too insane right the now. The work there's, had to be done. Yeah, yep, there's yep. no point. It's unproductive to kind of pick apart one's like motives or whatever. But it was obviously scary as like a deeply self-aware person with a platform, with a kind of comedic voice, mm-hmm. an established comedic voice to do something as earnest as make like a campaign video. Yeah. Yeah. And that really terrified me. And I, there were points where I was like literally having conversations with the campaign where I was like, and we won't of course publish that I did this. Like, you yeah. know, I was like, I was like, I don't think we should. And they, and they literally were like, well, I think it kind of is great. And it makes it more of a story and maybe people will be more interested in it. And I, of course, it took nothing for me to be like, okay. You know, I was like, cause I had worked hard and I wanted my, you know, so it was, it was scary a little bit. You know, I, I do relate to that. And I, I think, John, I do think that is vulnerable. It's like, feels mm-hmm. like the definition of vulnerability to be like, so my performative persona is something more like this. And mm-hmm. I'm going to risk dropping that for a moment to, you know, do something that I'm really passionate about. I think that is vulnerable, but I also feel like to me, it just represents growth when you can be like, I'm going to take a swing and share some more dimensions. And I always Mm -hmm. have that other thing. I will, you know, I can always jump back to that other thing. But for me, when I started doing more, um, work that was like I my favorite is the combo platter I love shit that is like really funny and then it's sort of like I am not afraid to take you down a dark road for a moment or uh, more like and then I'm gonna like undercut it with a joke like just that like kind of like that playing with a chemistry set and sort of calibrating and tinkering that's my favorite is sort of the combo platter and I think a lot of times it's easier to for people to take information in if it goes in with a spoonful of sugar. Totally. I'm, I'm stoked that you, uh, just fucking went for it. And you didn't have to be dressed as Vicky. Like you (laughs) fucking went for it. I think it's great. I think it officially admits you to the spark file. I think you've. Uh, That's what I think. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Listen, for those who don't know you as, uh, political organizer, um, <laughs> how do you identify yourself creatively? We're curious. Like when people say, what do you do? 
how do you answer that? Well, I usually just say comedian because I feel like it's, it's, it's for some reason less embarrassing than being like an actor, writer. Like it feels less pretentious. (laughs) Director, actor, writer, director. I guess I'm multi-hyphenated. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's much easier to be like, I'm a comedian. And also like it is, it does actually feel true to me. Like Mm -hmm. even if I do do other things and even if Mm -hmm. there is like a, bleeding heart part of me it's like i do that's like your i identify as a comedian for sure yeah that makes sense and and for the noobs what creative work are you most known for or another way of asking this is what are you what creative work are you proudest of Hmm. well you know they're often not the same Uh that's right Uh that's right Um, i would say i'm most known for search party which Mm -hmm. i'm an actor Uh, on mm -hmm. and which i i really I'm deeply uh, proud of. Uh, I'm very, yes. very proud of it. Yes. But Delicious. I was scared of it because I was, you know, my whole, my like um, kind of crazily egotistical like path that I had laid out for myself creatively. Like, it was always to kind of make my own work and make my You're own You're an stuff. originator. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was, this so is, that was scary for me yeah, a little bit. That's interesting that because a lot of people that we talked to uh, started as interpretive artists and really the big risk for them was moving into being originating mm-hmm. artists. You mm-hmm. actually have always been in a, as long as I've known you have been an originator and then you took the spin into, I think you've always been a gifted interpretive artist as well, but um I think it's interesting that you, it's like a reverse risk. I like totally. That. Well, yeah. I mean, and also it kind of helped me accept that I maybe am an interpretive artist. Like, it, yeah. like, you mm-hmm. know, not just like, um, it's not that I'm just that, but like I did, it did help me kind of relax the part of myself that needed to be some sort of like wonder. Kid. An <laughs> like, sure. I yeah. Like, sure. you know, I'm, I'm of a generation that's like very, you know, that grew up with like the, the promise of the Clintons, <laughs> like, you know, just like, of like, you will succeed, you will like yeah. you, uh, you achieve yeah. your dreams. And like, and there was this kind of, I think ex- expectation in my twenties for a lot of people, um, you know, for, for my generation, when we were in our twenties, it was like, they were like the Lena Dunham's of the world. And like, right, it yeah. was like, it was like, yeah, you, you, the path, everyone's goal is to become a showrunner at age 14, <laughs> you know, like yeah. to become like a, an auteur at age 14. And like, and I think it's really, really nice to see people realize like, Oh, that's well, also just the entertainment world has changed so dramatically in like five seconds. So it's like, and just, yeah. But mm-hmm. like, but I definitely had to search party was a way where I was like, Oh, I actually like interpreting. I really, really mm-hmm. like acting. Like I really like to mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, but that writing is so fucking good. I bet it makes well, it yeah. a pleasure. Yeah. It's, it's such a pleasure. Yeah. They're so yeah. Do yeah. you find like it, it's hard at all to give up the control that you have with your own projects? You know, is that a shift you have to make mentally when you... Are you really bossy when you're doing Search Party? Yeah. No, you got a I'm lot like, to say about it. You got a lot to say about it. I am the like opposite. This podcast. Yeah, I've been very bossy so far. <laughs> Can I just give you a note on the podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are we doing notes? Um, <laughs> you can take this that out, opener, right? Though. Actually, leave it in. Um, <laughs> no, I'm... Um, I The thing that I love, love about Search Party was like, is like, I get to go to New York for like three months uh-huh. and I love being in New York uh-huh. and I eat like a king <laughs> 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 and I like guzzle 
wine. I'm like, I'm literally like, I when I do search party, I have gout, uh. which is not true. <laughs> but like, but I'm literally like, I just love that I can kind of, there's like three months out of the year where, I, where I'm not in control of my schedule, where I can mm, kind of shut everything yeah. down. Like, sorry, I'm doing this now. Yeah, and I get to yeah. show up and do something. And I think the work, as much as um, it's bad for my body, the work is like <laughs> benefits from me kind of not caring in a way. And I, I, and I, I've found that I'm a better actor on things that I don't write. You know, mm, like I'm much more no, like Lucy Goosey. Is that true? It. Really? Say, <laughs> oh, you feel more, more free. Like you feel freer in your performance. Well, I think what it is is that the things that I make are you just drunk through the whole shoot? Yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> tanks. Um, no, I'm when I the things that I make, I'm usually editing too. So I am confronted uh, yes. with your. You have that. Well, I always think of it like uh, there's a tentacle that coming out from my neck and attached. To that tentacle is an eyeball, and yeah. the eyeball is watching me with such scrutiny because I know that I'm going to have to take it and cut it. Uh, exactly. That, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. That's that's. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Is there anything else that you feel like you're super proud of that you want to shout out or? Well, the characters I'm very, very proud of, which mm. you were involved in Lauren Lapkus's episode, mm-hmm. as we all know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, all the people know the characters heads. Cause that was yeah. such a successful show. Um, mm-hmm. but that was, um, that was the, that was like a dream come true. Just like I had uh. spent a few years developing like, just getting really invested in like kind of trying to figure out what my little like comedic persona was and making these short films with my friends for free. And like, it was like this insane moment in like Netflix's history where they were like, let's try to be a little like avant-garde or like, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they did this and then they just were like, you can do whatever you want. And like, wow. it was like, Oh, and like, I, I don't know. It just was a total dream. And I got to kind of weave together all these like favorite parts of my, uh, comedic yes. voice and it was a yeah um can i can i ask you a character specific question uh, you should know that the, the this <laughs> the remaining questions in this podcast are all just laura and i getting to ask you all the things <laughs> we want to ask you while oh we have the my chance God. I'm absolutely so, okay so this is a deep cut and if you haven't watch the characters you might want to pause this podcast and go watch john early's episode of the characters on netflix okay there is a moment in, oh and then leave God. it running and then leave it running and have it repeat. <laughs> and then leave it running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there is a moment in your episode where you're on, you're playing this sort of like, I don't know, like sort of this, with all due respect, kind of this like <laughs> oafish Christian character on a blind date. And, <laughs> yeah. and you're having a meal with this very sweet girl who's trying to make conversation with you. Yeah. And in it, it sort of smash cuts to your character almost like going into a recovered memory or yeah. like, what is that? What was that? What's that? <laughs> Tell um, us. That was... Uh, you know, what's funny about that, I wrote that, like, coming directly out of a breakup, like, an extremely painful breakup. And not the characters, but the that particular sketch. Yes. And I was like, and I remember kind of coming out of that breakup and feeling, like, so raw and being like, now is the time to, like, drop the mask and make something about your pain. <laughs> and then I ended up, the only thing I wanted to make was, like, me as a straight dude. And I think it was like, 
<laughs> I think it was about the fact that he is very, that is very much a part of me, which is like, I sometimes feel just like a fucking dumb fuck like just a total <laughs> just just com- like a puppy dog you know and like and i think it was very cathartic for me to like kind of like completely externalize what i like feel like i am in relationships or something and like and then i think to me i've always just as i was writing it i was like it would be so funny i mean i this was completely just um I didn't think about this at all. I just thought it'd be funny. And now looking back on it, I'm like, I think it's just, there is something interesting to me about these kind of like, you know, this is definitely retroactive. I want to be clear. Um, but, <laughs> but I do, th- I do think it's really interesting though. You know, it's like, it's important to remember that the way we kind of like flatten and like portray like straight men especially (laughs) like it's important to remember that they're like complex creatures with like their own emotional trauma (laughs) and like I thought it would be really kind of sweet but also in the moment I think I thought it'd be more hilarious (laughs) to just like see this kind of idiot on a date and then just like to go quickly into like some sort of strange like sexual moment like in his like teenage years like like and a gay particularly a gay moment yeah like so that's kind of what he's hiding or something one Uh of the the, here's the uh, the thing i loved about it and i know this is the part that you have this tendency i have this tendency to like undercut it uh but Mm. it it makes it it up to me and this is we're going to talk about this more because you can see it in all of your work it makes it not just sort of like here's an episode of a sketch show and here's some characters. Here's a here's a bushel basket of characters I've put together. It is that, and it's also a piece of art. It's like a a, a little piece of art because Thank it's sort you. of like <laughs> what it because it's not all like laid out for you. And I'm like, it gives it this crazy dimension, and it's actually beautifully shot. So I, I don't know. I it's one of the reasons, and the way that that lives in in your other work as well that. I feel like I am drawn to your work consistently over the years. And this seems as good a time as any to say this. So just like a little bit of backstory. So I first met you via email when you, I think, (laughs) were a little baby student at NYU, I think. Is that right? Tiny little baby. Yeah, Tiny little baby. And you emailed me a video that you had made. And I knew that you had made it for me because it actually, you said my name in the video. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. something that you oh, had. That old trick. I actually yeah, tried to exactly. find. The, I actually tried to find your email in preparation for this today, and it's somewhere. Oh. On a, I'm sure it's somewhere on a Hotmail server. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but you know, Laura and I get a lot because of the work we do. We get a lot of email from a lot of people who send us things they're making, and it's it's all mm-hmm. great. That video was so fucking good and it was like you doing a college orientation <laughs> speech with that, the old trope of look to your right look to your left yeah. and I was like who the fuck is this very special weirdo and I was moved to respond to you very quickly which completely um, I, 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 were I you sending those videos all over town like it, it was, I'm and sh- I had replaced the names each time no 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 I well you do you remember why the because you, it was your birthday oh <gasps> was there it my was, 40th birthday I don't know but it was something like 
there was some sort of I put of out a call on my 40th birthday where I was like, exactly. don't give me anything, make me something. Yes. Oh. It was that. Oh, and I was such was. an obsessive title of show fan. Oh. I had like seen it randomly my freshman year of college. Imagine coming into New York as suitcase oh my God. in the um, oh. And uh, suitcase full of dreams. Patent but I was like. shoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, I saw the closing night a title of the sh- a title of the show title of show um, at vineyard oh my oh, god wow it was a complete accident it was like my my like crush that i had at the time like loved it and was like you know so i was like oh i got to see it and um <laughs> and i uh and i managed to get tickets like completely accidentally on the closing night and i had no idea what i was walking into and it was of course I like I walked into like a, a extremely emotional environment of like full of people who love oh, the show yes. or involved with the Did show. Did you feel like you were at like yeah. a, a band that like everybody loved and you were like, uh like No, I felt like I was at like a funeral. <laughs> like it was like <laughs> it was like everyone I felt like was on edge, but it was all very yeah. like it was a celebration. Like but um but, uh, <laughs> but I was I was absolutely rocked i was weeping i was screaming laughing i could not i mean you have to understand i had no idea what i was walking into and it was like it was and you guys were all crying and it was like it was just it was insane (laughs) i always get retroactively embarrassed about that stuff because i'm like i always think about who are the people sitting there watching it that are like (laughs) girl you're not all that (laughs) dry your hot tears you're not all that those people that said it wasn't for them relax (laughs) 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 but yeah i i like from then on i remember i mean i used to check the title of show website like literally (gasps) every day Oh like God, Jeff Bowen needs to know that oh it was God. psychotic. He obsessively worked on that site. Really, just That's updating so- the blogs. Um, mm-hmm. Well, thank Laura Cammy, and Laura Cammy is the person who brought that show to the world. Thanks, Laura. Oh Camion. my God, yeah. Laura! I, I bow to. I'm on my knees. <laughs> well, seriously, thanks for coming it, to the show. <laughs> thanks oh for your God. support. Um, thank you for all that kindness. But there were some other moments. That, so first, that video came, and I was oh, like, yes. "This is." genius no you it was just like it was i was oh hunter bell says hi i was actually talking to him today but he said he said that you had emailed him so i guess you were writing to all the girls (laughs) he he you invited maybe invited us but certainly uh i wasn't unable to attend but he went to see you in a show that you did at nyu and was like in school you were it was so clear like your talent was so clear and fully formed even then um but then there were these moments that i have bumped into these little pieces of you and your work that i still like every single time afresh i'm just like yes 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 so i was do i was on a different episode of the characters and i was in hair and makeup and i like look to my left and there's a <laughs> wig on a wig stand <laughs> And I said to, I was like, oh, it was sort of like a um, Kate Gosselin. What's what was that lady's exactly. name? John Kate and Clayton plus yes. eight, uh, like like a baby chick in the back, and then bangs yep. on yes. in the front. And I was like, who? What is that? And who is that for? And the the hair and makeup people were like, 
oh, it's for John Early's episode. And I was like, oh my God, a fucking wig, a wig had me undone. Oh um, my God. Other, other hits of yours. Sorry, just sit and take this. Would oh, you? I'm honey, asshole wide open. Okay. The, Toppers are out. The, that's right. Fully dilated. You, years ago, you all, you know what? We should post this when we post this episode because it, oh my God, I showed it to Cammie because I was like, Cammie, I just I'm want obsessed. you to take some spoonfuls of this i was like this is a video that john early made years ago with the cocoon central dance team uh for a a show you guys were doing at ars nova and about i'm honest with you hunter bell does this i do this and now (laughs) laura does this as well about once a year (laughs) we put on that video and just we'll watch it like three times in a row because it's so fucking satisfying it's so good it's just like Wait, everything it, makes it, it so us? pleasing to us. Is it with the animated background? Yes. It has that oh, it's the very black like green uh, yep. 90s uh, yes. squiggle vision <laughs> animated background. Yep. And you have a black eye that turns into and like the, a bejeweled black eye. And the music's so <laughs> mellow. Like it's kind and of And the dancing like is so hot. I, it's so good. It so th- truly <laughs> thrills me that you... Love that video. Truly. I love that this Delightful. is just becoming a, a clip reel of your greatest hits. But here's a here's a question, and this yep. is for nobody but me. Good. Have we ever met in person? Like ever at like in the lobby at Joe's Pub or at a Cola Scola Jeffrey Self show or anywhere? I am pretty sure we have met in person, but I don't think it was like long enough for either of us to remember. But I'm pretty sure we met. There was some sort of crossover on the characters. Mm. Like, because those were all shot out of sequence. That, like, really? every episode was shooting at the same time. And I'm pretty sure I had a moment of being like, Susan? And, like, mm-hmm. a touching in and, and being like, I made that video for you and you knew. I mean, I'm. There's Maybe also. You had the wig on. Mm-hmm. I may have had the wig on. <laughs> I also somehow and somehow. I mean, you, the, the common theme, the fact that I was emailing you and Hunter, it's psychotic. But, like, I. <laughs> Went to, I'm pretty, no, I definitely went to the closing night of Broadway too, title of show. Oh, Fuck. wow. I just bought tickets. You just like to see everyone cry. Exactly. We I was sick again of. the last night. But that was, and, um, you know, Ali Stroker from Oklahoma? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I brought Ali Stroker. Wow. <gasps> she had never seen it. And I we love it. Yeah. And it and we were it's like, it's funny when I've when I've spent time with Ali Stroker, she's never mentioned. She's not mentioned oh, it. <laughs> let me talk to her. Let me talk to her first. <laughs> That's um, awkward. The, just but I'm set. pretty sure I met you there. I don't know. Interesting. I was talking with um, Michael R. Jackson well, recent last so week, much. and he was saying, he, "Yes, Pulitzer Prize winner for a Strange Loop, friend of the pod." And he was saying how you appeared in a piece he wrote when you were both students at NYU, and Ali oh. Stroker was in it, and lots of yeah. other great people. Star studded, star studded. That's how I met Ali, and yeah. I was completely nude. <gasps> he didn't what? mention. <laughs> I'm honestly shocked he didn't mention. It's. Um, we were That's on a noteworthy. very worthy. That's no, very no, we, noteworthy. It, it was a very dignified panel. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was moderating a very dignified panel. He didn't. He didn't see fit yeah. to bring it up. Yeah. Hey, another thing, just to add to this growing list of things. So when you first got onto this uh, recording tonight, we were in the midst <gasps> of discussing another thing we effing love that you've made, and that is that short film called <sighs> Rachel. <sighs> 
we are obsessed and now need to know this is what we were talking we were talking about your face at the end of it when you <laughs> joined us and, and then he's like hi hey it's um john's here so we were like awkwardly embarrassed but um so to back it up yeah do you want to give us give give yeah, our listeners a description of what the short film rachel is about Okay, well, Rachel is, let me just contextualize it creatively again to like exert control. Rachel came at a time, and I mean, she literally like, you know, popped into my life, the real Rachel. Um, <laughs> she came at a time where Kate Berlant and I, my like chief collaborator, we were in just development hell. We had like gone through 16 losses in a row with this like oh. show we made together. Oh, shit. And, yeah, it sucks. And um and and we were like, oh cool. Well we have we like looked up, we're like, we haven't made anything in three years. Mm. And um and so we were just desperate to make something that wasn't beholden to like the development a, hell. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. like and and still are, by the way. Um, but like we so this this girl's true story, I just moved to LA. I did a show, uh I did a stand up show. And like a bunch of my friends happened to be at that show. And I was like, you guys should come over. And I brought like eight friends over. And like, I would say like five of those friends were my friends. And three of those people were people that knew those friends. It was a very intimate, but fun Mm -hmm. kind of spontaneous gathering. Mm -hmm. And we like, were drunk. We were, we (laughs) were ordering food, whatever. And like, there was this one girl there who literally, I was like, well, I don't know her, but I assume she came in with my friend Ellen, who I kind of barely know, you know, like it was just, mm. I, and, and we started and like, like in the short, okay, we'll get there. Basically in real life, we all started to piece together, like in, in my kitchen already drunk. We all started to piece <laughs> together. We're like whispering, we're like, do you know her? And like, we were oh just, no, we realized everyone assumed that she was a friend of a friend. And we <laughs> were like, <laughs> process of elimination. We're like, well, it's not my friend. It's not my friend. It's not my friend. And oh then literally. God. It's like a fucking murder mystery. <laughs> it was so chilling. And then we, my friend Sam was like, well, we, she has to leave. And I am such a little Southern boy terrified of confrontation. I was like, no, 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 no. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, we have to kick her out. And I was like, it's fine. Like I was like, I was willing to let this person who intruded into my house. Like, and so then he, but so he took over and he kicked her out and like, she was extremely defensive in a way that was like deeply comedic, like, but also very (laughs) disturbing. And it was a, it was a really kind of scary experience because she started talking about like a band like music she was hearing and how she followed the music to my house. And like, it was like, it was, and and what was so crazy is like, she was so kind of, she fooled us all because she was so reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, she took her shoes off and she like hopped on the couch and she was like talking to truly talking to my friend Aaron being like, are you a dancer? Like literally (laughs) kept insisting that my friend Aaron was a dancer. And like, it was just, it was crazy. She seemed like a just kind of LA girl, like who loves candles. God. It's you just know. like Margot Kidder waking up in your bed or something. <laughs> yes. Just like have somebody having a psychotic break and having oh, it at your no. house. Yes. And so, so then we like, basically I, I told Kate about it the next day 
and Andy, her boyfriend, who we, we make a lot of stuff together, the three of us. <gasps> mm-hmm. Andy we were- directed that is her boyfriend? Yeah. Um, My God, what a power couple. I know. Fuck. (laughs) I know. They're so talented. I know. I know. And, uh, but so we, I was basically like, you guys, this is, we just, we got to make this a short. Mm -hmm. And Kate, it's Kate is, was born to play Rachel. It's exactly her (laughs) sensibility. (laughs) And so we just got, we got all of our friends there, like non-actors, basically everyone who is there. Plus my boyfriend, we added him in the mix because he just moved in with me. And so we just, and we were like really kind of committed to making it, making the short in the way that I used to make shorts, which was like, it's bring all your friends over. It is volunteer. a beautifully made film. Yes. Thank you. It's, it's so really good. well done. So it hues pretty closely to the events of the night. Like I was like, did she's, she, she couldn't have possibly been like the band. Like there's some she, things that she says that you're just like, no, that's not that couldn't have possibly been real life, but it seems like it hues pretty closely, except at the end when it turns into a ghost story. When she's just gone. Yeah. That did not happen. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. She actually did leave the room. Even no, but, that, but even the way did. that was shot was so masterfully done. Oh my God. That oh. was amazing. She I got did genuinely- go to the bathroom. Looking, she claiming did? to look for her purse. Like oh, she literally. I was like, she's going to steal your pills. That's literally. where my mind went. Yeah. And that's what actually happened to us where she was like, we had spent, or Sam had spent, and we, by the way, we blocked it exactly how it happened. Like Aaron was sitting yes. in that spot on the couch. Camion wins was the bed. That. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And she was in the door frame, like it happens in the short and Sam was right behind the couch. And like, and so we fully recreated it. And then like, basically after like a probably 20 minute confrontation with her where she was like being extremely defensive and like not, and like kind of making mm. us feel like losers for not being like open oh. to her chilling with us, My which was God. like so fucking funny. She literally was like about to, and she's like, Oh my God, my purse. And then oh, she went no, into no. the bathroom no, no, and we no, were no. like all kind of trapped in the living room. Kind of like, well at this point, this is a crazy person and I'm letting her like yeah. go into my bathroom. Like where what? there's razors and pills. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my Great God. Idea. Oh my God. And then God. she, thank God came out and left, but like we decided to end the show with her. Did she leave with your sweater on? That is not. Okay. That's a genius <gasps> okay. addition because I was like, obsessed with is she gonna give that sweater back that is john's sweater and she needs to take it off is someone gonna call her out i fucking loved that okay so question at the very end of the film i love that we're doing a hot 15 minutes on this film this this conversation is longer this film is so good y'all pause this and go watch that film at the very end there is a tiny slice of what i believe is the actual footage taken that night one of your friends who yep. I think is also in the film pulled yep. out their cell phone and was started to video the confrontation. Yeah. And there's a teeny tiny slice. Sliver. Yep. This is the, what Camion and I were betting on is when you, when you when joined you, us, when the camera passes over, mm. is it the, is Rachel the woman with her back to the camera? Yep. Mm-hmm. You don't show her face. Mm-hmm. We don't show her face, but also we don't have any footage of her face. <gasps> that was the, that is literally because that is the, the camera length could not of the footage pick up her image. She's a ghost. <laughs> yes. No, it but was, she's, oh that's all we had God. of it. Oh and my so, God. Love that film. Amazing. Thank you. Thank so you. good. Hey, in the course of telling that, 
you touched on something that we're completely obsessed with. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump to this question that I, I, I want to hear you talk about. And that is processing creative failure. Mm. Can you talk about one of the biggest like perceived failures or, or challenges that, you know, you mentioned having and how do you process through it? Cause everyone has it. Totally. Well, yeah, my, so Kate Berlant and I made, this was definitely the biggest one. This is like the, this was the most painful one. Yeah. Uh, we, we made this pilot. Um, mm. We had always wanted to make a um, kind of ab fabby, like really uh, classic friendship show. Oh, um, yeah. Perfect. And it was like, it really was, it was called This is Heaven, which is, I'm, I'm <sighs> so deeply proud of that title. Um, and it was basically <laughs> us trying to make a kind of like, trying to like, build a full lot like we we have a very um kind of gestural friendship <laughs> you know we like we like met and it was like love at first sight and we were like we've kind of been mythologizing our friendship ever since we became friends <laughs> oh, and we're like sure. so like it was about kind of our we tried to make a show about this kind of like this kind of inseparable like this refusal to part um mm. And like, and also we were very excited to make something that was like a gay guy and a straight girl, but it wasn't like caustic. It was like full of love. It was mm-hmm. like deeply romantic. And, and then we also just wanted to do something that was like, kind of like, like Ab Fab, just like kind of like beautiful and colorful, like Almodovar, like really mm-hmm. like, just like candy and like mm-hmm. Romy Michelle, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and full of these kind of like sketchy like just really simple premises of like us hosting a dinner party, like us going to a middle school musical, you know, like, <laughs> you know, just like, and, and, and so it, it really, we, we set out to make something that was kind of the most pure expression of our friendship and ourselves and our like worldview. And because of that love, it wasn't just like, Oh, this is a, here's a situation that works. Kate's mm-hmm. a clerk and I'm our boss. You know, it's like, it was like, it was much more kind of personal and like, yeah. it was also much more kind of like open hearted and stuff we had made, you know, it was like very kind of bright eyed and innocent and like, and so when it didn't work out, it was like particularly crushing, but yeah, yeah we just had like many, it like moved to a million different places. So we had to experience the failure like three or four times uh, and yeah, a kind fuck. of, and it was just like the final one. And also after you experience it multiple times, you get in this mode where you're like, well, it can keep being opened up again. Right. And like right. the final time when we literally, I had my like managers calling me, like being like, it's over. Mm. Like, yeah. and I was like, I like, I was such a wreck. I never thought I would react that way to like a, a, a professional thing. But mm-hmm. I was like, really like I wasn't sleeping for like a month I was like just getting up in the middle of the night and like weeping on the couch like oh, just you even know the words you use to describe how much of your selves you mm-hmm. put into that like that is that it does become deeply personal it mm-hmm. was very personal and it was also like you know, we were setting out to make something that was like the opposite of what we were seeing we were trying to make something that was like wartime like for the Trump era, like wartime entertainment, like yeah. classic, silly, yeah. warm. Yeah. Yes. But like, so it just was like, it really felt like they were like stomping on our hearts. And like, it was, I, we, how did we deal with it? I mean, we like, it, it's crazy what you'll do. I mean, it is true grief. Like there mm-hmm. was like manic it denial yeah. where we were like, 
we're literally the next day we're like oh my god we haven't even better idea like we were we were like <laughs> calling our we called our manager we were like we're like we cracked it we're actually glad we're actually glad it got passed on <laughs> and he was like listen he like was really sweet and listening to us like oh, okay like sure you know because like part of this you'll die like part of what the the issue was like everyone was always so worried that it was too rarefied that it was like the language was too like dense and that it was too like which is like very us like we're posturing the characters are posturing yeah you know and but like it was always like people thought like it was too like narrow of a kind of like sensibility or something which is so fucking dumb and that but like so we literally the next day and i'm not kidding the next day we were like her parents are coal miners (laughs) (laughs) we were like we're like so it's this whole we can maintain the sensibility but they're 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 keeping the sensibility alive in, as a response to their kind of rural coal miner town. Oh my God. <laughs> and our manager was like looking at us like They're we like, were Sweetie. fucking crazy. Uh-huh. Sweetie, it's, <laughs> it's, it's done. Over. Uh-huh. It's over. It's done. Stage two? What's oh up with denial? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so there, there was the manic denial and then there was like the anger came in very quickly and like I am not proud of some like interviews I did <laughs> where I was like and where I was very quick to like, and I think that some of this, I think there's truth in this. I don't think it's as simple as this, but I do think they, that people have a very limited imagination when it comes to like gay characters and, mm-hmm. and, and gay friendship, like, mm-hmm. um, like female, like woman, gay guy friendships. Like, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that people wanted something more recognizable and like, kind of like me on grinder and her being like, honey, no, you know, like, <laughs> I think that's what they were expecting from us. And they got something much more kind of like, like can't be an anti mame, honestly. And I think they were like terrified of it. And so I, I do think that's true, but I literally was like on Twitter and I was like, just call me a faggot. Like I was so angry. (laughs) Like I was like, just go ahead and call me a faggot. Like, and I was like giving all these interviews where I was talking about like, yeah, these, these idiots, these executives, you know? And it was like, that is something I'm not proud of because I also think there were things that were definitely that I now can only now see some like really like pivotal flaws <laughs> that like <laughs> that are so obvious that I like thank God have now learned from. But like I literally was so blinded by love and like passion that I could uh, not see them then. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And and I I feel like you sort of answered this earlier, but as a result of all of that, you were, you looked in each other's eyes and you were like, we have to get back to making something that is not like going to be put through this meat grinder process of approvals. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's how it, you came to make Rachel. Yeah. And we wanted to make something that felt less like belabored, just mm-hmm. like, or labored. I don't know. I love to add a b- betrothed, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like, it was really nice to like, just to be like, oh, this thing just, this fucking crazy thing just happened to me. Let's get everyone who is there to my house. Let's get drunk uh, and let's, sh- and see what happens. And like, it was oh, really sweet. The thing that Laura referred to earlier that I didn't want to lose the thread of is when, th- when you show the slice of footage at the very end, we, <laughs> we've got on line together opened up the video and paused it on your face oh i was gonna bring this your up fucking face your 
face, you are so uncomfortable and the way it's <laughs> manifesting on your face is amazing. <laughs> well, that is the Easter egg within the Easter egg, which is that I am literally unable to look up from the computer <laughs> and I have a smile plaster across. I'm smiling ear to ear. It's insane. Oh my God. It's I was so-, so scared and I decided to just commit to like pretending to order food. <laughs> That's the new home screen on my yeah. phone. It's just like a screen capture <laughs> of your face. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh, um, John, God. we know that we don't have you much longer, so we're yes. going to ask you some quickies. We're just going to oh, ask please, you some please. rapid I'm fires. Here I'm we go. Ready? Is there a creative thing you need to do before you're done? Um, is that a euphemism for before I croak? Mm. Yeah. Or yeah. before you come. Or <laughs> <laughs> before you're done. Um, yes. I would like to make a kind of um I would like to make a movie or a TV show or miniseries that is like that is that aspires to be like something that I like on the level of the things that I love, a la the comeback enlightened that have that exact kind of thing that you were talking about of the, Mm -hmm. the funny, funny, funny. And then it guts you. And like that, that's, those Mm -hmm. are, that's everything I aspire to do is like just something like that. And so I like mean, a glee, like a, like a glee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. And I, 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 I was hoping that you would say like, I, I feel like you, a longer form film yeah. starring directing, mm-hmm. writing. I feel like That's gonna your happen. aesthetic, you have it all. Godspeed to you. Okay. Thank you. Next question. John, you've been in the creative business for a while. Give us some good creative advice. Ooh, uh, well, Okay. This is always my advice when I go, when I, when I give these talks at schools, I'm kidding. Um, I do give talks. Um, you do. You guys do. Um, Mark but, um, me if you like. <laughs> and we're going to tell I, them exactly what you say now. So make it good. Oh, shit. Um, well, I, I always just, you know, I think creative people, it is your like, duty to, and you heard the liquid you liquid um, you baby and i heard you use one right at the up top susan 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 um, i um i think it's i think i feel very like this may not be true for everyone but i think people usually people who kind of desire to be creative or like you know it's because there's something that you do already naturally in your life it's not like you're not like crazy. It's not out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like you Mm -hmm. probably already have an instinct. There's probably something you do with your closest friends. There's probably, Mm. you know, and, and I think what's been, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it was, uh, it was very important to me early on to like, um, basically kind of reverse engineer the stuff that I loved. Like, like I would, like mm-hmm. I could see like in Eastbound and Down or the Comeback or Enlightened, like th- these, they were around, built around these performers who had this like yeah. really beautiful, like sweet spot, you know, yeah. comedically. Yeah. Yeah. And they, but there was also this like interest on their part and on the writers and on the, you know, people making the show, like an interest in like contextualizing that in a kind of a grand, like psychological way. And like, that was like, to me, that's always been my like starting point is like, what is the thing that I do without any thought? Like, what's the thing that I do when mm-hmm. I'm like making my friends laugh at a dinner party, you know, that's like, right. yeah. and like, what, what's the thing that I'm most comfortable doing? 
and like what's what's my little sweet spot and then how can i from there yes. create a world that like supports that sweet spot who yes. what does that person look like yeah. and what do they do and you know and what what is the kind of perfect dramatic structure that will like heighten that sweet spot and like and yeah so that's that's i think it's like always just like build your stuff build your narrative if if you want to be in it at least mm-hmm. you know if if you're trying to build something around you as a performer um, but I'm sure this can be, you know, extrapolated, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for other disciplines. I but agree. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, like, start with the thing that you already do. Like, start with the thing that is like that brings you joy. <laughs> start the thing with that you. you're. Fl- it just feels flowing and yes. easy, yeah. and and you love it, and then yeah. work backwards from there. Exactly. So smart. That's good. That's good. Don, you work really fucking hard, as far as we can tell. The question is, what's it all for? Oh man, what is it all for? You know, I don't stop to think about that a lot, which is, I guess, the point of asking the question. Mm-hmm. I have to go. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I have a hard stop. <laughs> what is it all for? I mean, I think that answer is like changing by the minute. Mm. I. Mm, I bet. don't it's all been pretty kind of compulsive and in, instinctual for me my whole <laughs> life I've never I don't I haven't I'm lucky enough to like have grown up with enough kind of support to not spend too much time questioning why I'm doing it or doubting it you know mm-hmm. so but I think more and more I am like convinced that just um I don't know we're just I'm looking around at my generation and I just think we're all just being kind of bludgeoned by Twitter and by the state of the world. Mm. And I'm fully like strapped to my phone completely. But I think we're just, I feel like a boomer saying this, but we're all just becoming less smart and we have fewer people, fewer and fewer people in the culture to like, like there aren't like great public intellectuals. (laughs) Like there aren't like, you know, like there's no, People aren't like fucking like, I don't know, like when I read a book like once every six years, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is what we're meant to be doing. Like your brain is actually meant to be like pulled in one direction and like, and not to be so like, not meant to be this like atomized and and refracted as we all are now. So I think now what we do it all for is like to give people a break from like the hellscape of like capitalism, Mm. Um. you know, just, just to like give people like, uh, truly, this is what I believe. And I'm arriving at this in the moment. So I apologize for the long winded answer. Love it. Take your time. (laughs) Long way to grandma's house, but it's worth it. We're with you. Um, Here come grandma's cookies. But I, (laughs) the reason we do it gang is because there are so (laughs) few examples in the world of people doing things, um, not for money. <laughs> like mm. it's just oh. every, every single authentic expression gets immediately commodified by capitalism. And yep. so there has to be like, this is to me, this is the new like goal for all artists. It's like, if you really, really fucking mean it, it's like you have to find a way to make things that don't immediately get absorbed and commodified by capitalism. And like, you have yes. to find a way to like resist, like, like, like try to take money. What would you make if money weren't mm-hmm. 
an issue, but of course that's impossible. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. You just have coming. to. Money's not on the way. Yeah. What do you want to make anyway? Exactly. And that's yeah. the stuff I made when I was younger. Yeah. I made stuff that had nothing to do with like some sort of financial model that would one day like, you know, pay off or pay a mortgage. It's like, I, I, that's what I used to do. And I'm trying to kind of, you know, get back to that. Mm-hmm. Not even out of some like, just because the I, I just keep looking up and I'm like, oh, no one's making these choices because why would you? It's mm-hmm. so easy to just give over yeah. <laughs> to the like the the running like like raging waters of capitalism. Mm-hmm. That's a good what's Ooh, it all for. That was a good one. Um, okay, well, I know we have to get you out of here, but before I forget, do you remember when you were filming? I'm so obsessed with this bucking film. When you were filming <laughs> Rachel, yeah. where did Kate go? When she disappears, and do you know what I mean? Like, where did Kate's body, how did she do it? How did she get behind the camera or get out of the way? Or did she sneak out when she's supposedly in the bathroom? How did the actor... That's such a good question. Um, so she, there is a door that There's we purposely. There's a trap door in yeah. the floor that we cut into my <laughs> That house. my dad built. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, okay, so- there, there was a door that we avoided shooting. So she went, <gasps> so the, 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 okay. the, how, or the apartment was actually like a donut. Like you really like can do a full yeah. circle. Yeah. And so you go through the bathroom into the bedroom and then into this little back room that has a door to the outside and we avoided shooting that door. So uh-huh. like she went into the bathroom and then quietly tiptoed out and went outside and hid behind that door. Oh my and God. then we amazing. Yeah. Would you please send our, our just infatuated love to Andrew and Kate and mm-hmm. all the people that made that beautiful mm-hmm. piece of art. I, I really will. So I really um, will. Okay. And now okay. back on track. Finally, here's the last question. Okay. What or who is sparking you these days? Ooh, <laughs> well, the big one, and this is the major, major spark. Like this has started a kind of, um, like it, it, it's, there's nothing better. Am I right, ladies? When, then when you're like, <laughs> then when you finally are kind of like taken outside of yourself with like an obsession of yeah. an artist, yeah. you know, like nothing like better. Like I was very late to John Waters, like, and that was a, that was like a three year period of like, mm. Oh, I'm, devoted my life to him. It's all I thought about or talked about, you know, (laughs) and now, and I haven't had that in a while because I have by trade, like had to be kind of focused on myself. And so like this, the recent thing for me has been Deborah Eisenberg, who is the fucking best. She's Wallace Shawn's longtime girlfriend. Yeah. And she is a short story writer. And she, I met, I, I became obsessed with her because my friend Theta is obsessed with Wallace Shawn. And we did a, I produced a production of Marie and Bruce that Theta played, Theta played Marie. Yeah. And Wallace Shawn and Deborah Eisenberg came to the goddamn show. Awesome. And just shitting yourself, just absolutely <laughs> shitting myself. And they fucking like loved it. And it was like, Aww. and they wrote us emails. It was like the sweetest thing in the world. And then Deborah and then Wally and Deborah both did Search Party season three, and so I got oh to spend. Oh my god! Yeah, I got to spend like two days on set with Deborah, Aww. and like, and I just fell madly in love with her. And then so I started obsessively reading her work, <laughs> and I knew Wallace Shawn already was very much in my like language. Like, there's a there's like he's definitely kind of into writing about like well-meaning liberals who are like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as like the world is like falling apart but they're like 
you know, in denial that, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm, And like, mm -hmm. and, and Deborah, what I was really excited to realize, like she is, that is why they're in love. It's like, they both kind of write about the same kind of person. And it's Mm -hmm. very much, it very much overlaps with like what me and Kate love. I love, you know? And so I've read, she has like just completely blown my mind and I've been reading her and I, I read all of her shit over quarantine. And then I like started reading stuff that she has written forwards or afterwards for like, I've just been letting her be my guide to like becoming like into books again, which has been so goddamn nice. You will die. You have to read her. Okay. Thank you. That's a great (laughs) spark. Yeah. We'll take that spark. Yes. Thank you. She's the best. Oh, John Early. I know we have to go, but we want to say thank you so much. Thank you. you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank Um, you. It was an you honor are, to be here, and I've talked so much. I'm so sorry. That is it. This episode of The Spark File was made on Muncie, Lenape, and Seminole land, and we hope that it put another bunch of sparks in your file. Listen to the sound of my voice when I say, if there is a spark that you'd like us to explore, or if you've taken a spark and you fanned it into a creative flame and you'd like to share that, we hope you'll email us at thesparkfile at gmail.com or submit it through our fancy website, thesparkfile.com. We will even happily take your feedback but you know the price of admission. First, you have to share a creative risk that you have taken recently. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, five-star, review it. If you like this podcast, we hope that you'll share it with people that you love. And if you didn't like it, I don't know. John, what do you say to your critics? What do I say to my critics? I am so, I mean, this is the big growing edge for me is I've got to be, be more open to criticism. Oh, so Do I, you? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> listen, there, there is a certain kind of criticism. I would say a criticism among collaborators in relationships, family. That's where I got to be more open. But I guess like the hostile Twitter critics. Yeah. I say, may you burn. Mm, yes <laughs> simple <Make> you burn. <laughs> thanks john if something t- tickles your fancy and gets your creative juices flowing we are writing you a forever permission slip to make that thing that's been knocking at your door it's your turn to take a spark and fan it into a flame you gotta take it and, and make, make it, it. Bye, Bye. John Early. John Early. Thank you guys. There was some Java in there. I was really. (laughs) When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark files. Could be something that I want to make or how I want to be. I pump it in my spark files. I jump into my spark file. Let's open up the spark file. Hi, friends. It's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open. And if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free five-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality, energy, and possibility in your creative process. Whether you're a writer, a performer, a baker, a candlestick maker, navigating the creative process can be a bear. 
but never fear. There's power in numbers at the Spark File. So let's link arms and make the trip together. It's May 13th through 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, less than one hour per day. And if you can't join live, don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with the Spark File, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step. We help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant. And if you have joined us before, know that we are going deep with the Brave Creative. So buckle up, Buttercup. It is going to be an awesome adventure. Go to thesparkfile.com to register, but do it soon because it all starts May 13th. thesparkfile.com. Register now. Register now.